I'm Sean. I'm a pastor here at New Life, one of the elders. And uh, I want to I share some stuff with you today that God put on my heart. And uh, just to give you a heads up, this was actually talked about before last Saturday when the uh, war started in Israel. So this is not a response to that. It's probably more prophetic of, the, of where we're going in times ahead. So I want to start with a scripture. And uh, uh, let's read this. So at John 16, 33, Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, if you were here last week, Dwayne preached on the easy life, right? He was talking about how the kingdom of heaven in us is righteousness, peace, and joy. And that's what we're designed for. And so he used the easy life to, 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 uh, to demonstrate that that what he's given us makes it easy and light inside of us, okay? And so I'm going to build on that, and I want to bring your attention to the second part of this verse. So after he said that in me you may have peace, then he says this, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. It's not a popular thing, like when God first started talking to me about this, I'm like, God, why do you talk to me about this stuff? I don't, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to bring a message on how bad things are. You know, who wants to bring that message? But I'm going to talk about this, so please bear with me just a minute, because I, I think we need to be real, because people are going through stuff right now, and people are also struggling with, when you look into the future, you're not going, wow, things look awesome. It's more like, whew, really? This is what's coming down the road? So I, I just want to share some thoughts with you. Now, I'm a, I, I personally went through a time when I stopped watching the news because it was so depressing. And I completely understand that. And a lot of times, I, don't, I stay away from, like, the the news on that just shows up, you know, the, the news, daily news, the, the current sound bite that needs to go out. I, I, I don't necessarily jump all over that, but I, I do dig, dive deeper into stuff now, right, uh, because it's just kind of how I roll on things. And, and God kind of showed me that I shouldn't be afraid of what's out there. And so for a while now, I've been trying to look into things and what's really going on, what's, what's true. And some of the things that I discovered is, if you haven't figured out, inflation isn't 6%. 5%, 4%, whatever they're telling us, right? It might be, that might be inflation if you buy heavy equipment. You know, like one of those gigantic dump trucks you can fit everybody in here in the back, right? I don't know about you, I don't buy those things, right? But the government has, seems to have this relationship with us where they can tell us things that aren't true all the time. And we're supposed to be okay with that, right? And so when they tell us that inflation isn't that bad, if you go to the store, you know that's not true. Right? If you go to HEB and you buy groceries, you're like, okay, I used to be able to buy this. Now I can only buy this for the same amount of money. Inflation's going up. Okay, I understand that they're telling you it's probably not going to get worse, but if you don't know this, you need to know this. It's probably going to get worse. Because the problem that we're having is that we keep spending money we don't have. We print it to pay off the bill for things around the world and for the previous bills we have because we have to pay back because we printed money already. And the cycle is getting worse and worse and worse. This is not the first time it's happened in history. This has happened over and over and over and over and over again in history. And for some reason, we're so smart today, we think we can do it and not happen. And they're finding out right now that that's not true. I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings, but that's where we're at. So if you think that inflation is going to go away, if it does, it will probably only be temporary. How long this is going to last, I don't know. But things are not looking good. Not unless something dramatically changes. Yay, Sean, I love this one. Whew. You look around in our culture, you know, moral decay is a great way of explaining it. Right? Things aren't getting better when it comes to the morals and the character of our country. Things are getting worse, it seems like. In fact, some of us are looking at it, we're going, it's just getting downright weird. 
And how's it going to get better? I don't know. I, honestly, I can't see the mechanism for it getting better anytime soon unless, unless people of character, people of the church, you know, grow and have such influence in the land that, that somehow that's going to, like, affect things, which it very possibly could, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. Probably not next year, right? So there's, there's, we're going to go through a time period where it just seems like it's going to get worse and worse. When you look at politics, man, everybody's just getting along. I couldn't think of a time where we just got along better than this. You know, this next election is going to be telling. I don't know. I, I hope, I hope we can have an election where both sides say, you know what, I'm okay with that. But based off of the way people are acting, I don't think so. You know, I'm not taking sides on this. Because, you know, you might have a different belief on me in, on politics, right? And that's not the point. The point isn't who's right. The point is it's definitely messed up right now and, and things are not looking good. You know, it used to be whatever side lost was like, okay, I lost. We'll get in there next time and we'll, we'll try to move it. Now it's like, if I don't win, I'm going to be mad at you, and you're evil. You need to, you know, it's getting close to the point, well, you know what, it just might be better off if we go to war now. Yeah, I don't know if you realize it, the odds of us having a, a civil war, they're real now. You know, 20 years ago, I wouldn't, that wasn't real. Almost, like, you just never even crossed your mind. But now, it's possible. Right? I know, bad news. Like, I get depressed talking about this. I'm sorry. You know, but I, I feel like, like we, we need to acknowledge that we're all seeing this. If you're not seeing everything I'm talking about, you're seeing some of the stuff I'm talking about. Others are seeing other things that I'm talking about, right? This is real. This is what we're dealing with. How about this one? I love this one. Whew, yeah, this is awesome. Technology. Man, we can barely deal with the technology we got. And we got AI coming around the corner, right? We, we don't even know how to deal with our kids when it comes to the Internet, and TikToks and all the different talks that there are. I don't even know them all. Right? We like socially, we just don't know how to deal with this yet properly. And, and I'm, I'm listening to people that actually know what they're talking about. I'm talking people that actually are creating AI and what they're expecting. If you don't know this, they're saying 50 to 80% of white collar jobs might disappear. What do you do with that? I'm going to pick on Bert. Like, Bert's an engineer. Where did Bert go? He was over here earlier. He's back there. He's an engineer. I mean, what does it feel like to say, you know what? They're going to make a computer that's so smart, they don't need you anymore. You know, that the computer's actually going to be able to design a building without mistakes. That's what they're expecting. Psh. I, I don't know what to do with that, right? That's just crazy. But that's what's coming down the road. Man. I don't know what to do with this stuff. We, you know, and, and if you notice, what you're not going to hear me talk about is end times, like Jesus is coming back, you know, ah, right? You know why I don't do that? It's not that I don't think he's coming back. I think he's coming back. I just don't know when, right? But this is what I do know. When Y2K was happening, right? thought Jesus is coming back. I was hunkered down. I was ready. But I wasn't shining very much because I was hunkered down. I was ready. That's what we do. Like we preach, Jesus is going to come back tomorrow. Okay, well, I better not do anything. I better just hold on until tomorrow. But that's kind of counterintuitive to our calling and our identity, right? Since we're supposed to shine for Jesus. So that's why I don't talk about it. Because I don't know if he's going to come back next year. I don't know if he's coming back in five years. I don't know if he's coming back in 50 years. I don't know. I can look at prophecy and make a guess, but I can tell you, if, I, I, I'm old enough. Like some of you are not old enough. Some of you are older than me. And you know what I'm talking about. They've been talking about this forever. Every time, you know, every generation. It's coming now. Back when I was a kid, Gorbachev was the Antichrist. He had the mark of the beast on his how did that turn out? You know, he had this scar on his head. I'm literally, the preaching, the mark of the beast is on him. I believed it for a little while, too. I was just like, oh, man. So I've been burnt by that. So that's why I'm not doing that to you. 
I'm just, all I've got is, man, it's getting bad. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's gonna, there is hope in this, okay? I'm going to get there. Also, geopolitically, like, when you look at, like, oh, we're picking a fight with Russia. You, whatever you think about, you know, what's going on in Ukraine, just when you back off and you think, we're picking a fight with a nuclear power. Since when is that a good idea? You know, I have a lot of respect for the Amish now, right? Recently, I've just been thinking about that. The Amish, it doesn't matter. Like, my whole list, it doesn't matter. They're going to be completely unfazed, right? The only thing that will damage the Amish is if there's a nuclear war and the fallout gets them, right? Or if the people that don't have what they have try to, you know, try to take it from them. Other than that, they're just going to cruise on by this whole thing. Because they got their act together when it comes to, I don't need technology, <laughs> I, don't need, you know, I don't need supermarkets, I don't need the whole system that we've created, that we're used to. And we're used to this system that provides for us. And there is a major downside, and this is really the impetus of what God's been talking to me about when he first started to, talking to me about this, was like, I know we don't want to hear it, because it, like, it kind of tweaks us, but we're spoiled. Especially when you look at like humanity over the course of the last 2,000 years, this is abnormal. Being able to go to the store and get whatever you want, you know, being able to go to another store and get, buy, get a car, go, go to the other place and get this, like, and then your, your money comes to you in a bank account and you know, you're not counting anything. And it's just like the whole system is abnormal in the history of mankind. And in places around the world right now, it's abnormal. Their, their normal is not this. You flip a switch and the heat comes on. You flip a switch and the heat goes off. And it gets cooler. You, you flip a light and the light comes on. You know, some people are still making fires so they can cook their meal. Right? That's normal to them. Right? They're not like, they look at Hollywood, you know, they look at us through Hollywood's eyes. And they go, oh, man, my life's terrible compared to yours. If the Hollywood wasn't there, they'd be like, oh, this is normal. Right? If there wasn't something out there that was crazy different and better, they would be like, okay, this is life. This is normal. Because it's been normal for millennia. And, and because we've, we've lived in this, it has created in us this fear of what if we lose it? What are we going to do? Right? Because we don't know what it's like to be in war. Other people have wars. We just have riots. Other people have wars. You know? Other people, they, they fight each other and bombs are falling. When's the last time we had a real war in America? The Civil War was the last time. But since then, they've had war in Mexico. We've had a war in Mexico. We've had uh, World War I. We've had World War II. We've had uh, Korean War, Vietnam War, the war... Uh, in the Middle East with Iraq, went there twice for that. Once wasn't enough. Let's have another war. And then let's go fight with Af Afghanistan. Now we're going to go fight with Ukraine. And we've all got good reasons, right? I don't want to get into politics of it, but, like, but wars are always somewhere else. What would we do if it came here? What would you do? Have you ever thought about it? Because this, this is what I recognize. Some of us have blinders on. Like, it's not going to affect me. I just won't look. It'll all go away. The government is going to be there to take care of me. That might be true. Right? Might be. Might not. But I don't know about you. I don't want to be taken care of by surprise with that. Right? See, there's some things that we can do in the natural that I would, I would just recommend. I'm going to get to the spiritual stuff in here in just a second. Right? But in the natural, right, you do realize that your, your great-great-great-grandparents knew how to build a fire to cook. Right? Some of you in the room know how to do it. I was a Boy Scout. I'm good to go. Right? There, but you know, if you've never gone camping, I'm not called glamping. I said camping. You should try it. And if you discover, you're like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. Learn how to do it. You know, you can get off TikTok and spend less time on TikTok and actually learn something 
that might help you in the future. It might not, but I guarantee you, right, TikTok will definitely not help you. Okay? You know what I'm saying? There's some practical things we can do to learn how to, like, if things, if, if we lost electricity for three months, what would you do? That's a good question to answer right now. Because it's not pie in the sky of like it might not ever happen. It already happened a couple winters ago where we lost electricity. You see what I'm saying? So like there's some things you can do in the natural just to be like, okay, if it does happen, I'm going to be ready for it. Because if you were a farmer 100 years ago, right, before you could just go to the store and buy seed that's genetically created so it make your life easier, you had to plan things. You would plan to plant next season and you would plant you would do the things necessary to plant and then after you planted you would get the harvest out and then after you harvested it you would save some of the seed why because you got to plant again right you would plan things out based off of where you're at you could learn how to can stuff you can learn how to grow stuff you can learn there are so many things you can learn how to do that you don't have to right now that if something did happen, you would be able to like, okay, I've got something I can do now. So that's just a plus on this. That's just a practical side of me being a pastor, recognizing that, that if you haven't thought about it, ask God about it. Say, God, you know, is there something I should be learning that I haven't learned? You know, because I guarantee you, like, if, if stuff falls apart, I will live in a tent and I will be fine. I will hate bugs. I will hate a lot of stuff about it. I will not be comfortable Right, like I'm used to being comfortable, but I will get by in a tent. Can everybody say that? You see what I'm saying? Because it, it might come to that. I don't know. So just consider that. Just just kind of. so now that that's aside, what do you think our biggest struggle is about going through stuff? I'm going to go to generally going through stuff because see, Jesus said. I've told you these things so that, you, that in me you might have peace. And Dwayne was talking about this last week. That he has designed this for you to have peace. See, he used this, the parable, or this, it's not the parable, but the story of Jesus in the boat, right? Jesus is like, hey, go to the other side. We are going to go to the other side. That's what we're going to do. And they start going. Jesus falls asleep. Storm comes. They're all freaking out. We're going to die. And Jesus gets up and is like, what's the problem? What are you afraid of? Didn't I say we're going to go to the other side? And he stands up there. He says, peace be still. Everything goes calm now. Everything's good. And we can take that and we can think, well, see, Jesus is going to take all my storms away. But that's not what it's about. It doesn't say that Jesus is going to have it so that you never go through a storm. Some of you are going through storms right now. Some of you are going through life and death storms in this church right now. Some of you have gone through storms. And you recognize that when I went through the storm with him, I grew in faith that I couldn't grow any other way. That's my testimony. If you don't, for those that don't know, I, I was sick. I was in a wheelchair. I was dying. It was a slow thing. It was like, uh, like a little ramp going right into a square in the ground. That's what it looked like. And I got through it with him in such a way that I don't regret that I went through it. And the challenge of going through hard times is the thing that grows us. See, like most of you, I'm not, yay, let's go through something hard. I love Jesus and I want to grow. God, put something on me. Right? You ever hear it like they talk about the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience. I've heard, it say, I've heard people say, don't pray for that because that will be rough. God will give it to you. Right? I know, that's us, right? We won't pray for that. But have you ever thought that we need to pray for that? 
Like, I need it now. I, I need to learn long-suffering now because if I ever have to get into something where I'm su- suffering for a really super long time, I already know how to go through it with them. Right? It's not, like, it's not just about moments in time. It's about sometimes things go, get protracted. And, and how do I stand with him in that? How do I walk with him through those times because he said, I'm going to be with you. I have overcome the world. See, you don't need to worry about the trouble that's coming. It can't destroy you unless I, he's okay with it. And even if he's okay with it and you get destroyed, you still have him. If we really believe that our life is not just the natural, it's also eternal, if we really believe what he's created for us is the kingdom of heaven in this life and the kingdom of heaven in the next life, right? our belief system should be able to take us to that place that says, you know what, no matter what I go through, I can go through it with him. It doesn't matter, God. I am with you, I, and I know that when I'm walking with you, you're walking with me. Too often, though, in practical like in practical terms, we, our faith level is exactly to the place that we need it to be, not where it should be. If, our, our faith is, if we're designed to have faith that's up here, that not only knows he's walking with me, but I'm able to access peace, I'm full of the Spirit, accessing all that he has in the kingdom, even to the point where I pray for people and I'm expecting them to get healed, and there are times I see them get healed. Where I'm walking with him, and I get words from heaven. Right? If that's what he's given me, what we actually experience is a faith level based off of how much I need him. See, because if I don't need him because I have doctors, if I don't need him because I have a paycheck, if I don't need him because I have everything provided for me, if I don't need him because I have good answers for things, and I don't really need to talk to him about it. See, if I don't need him, I only have a God that exists to the extent of my need. The places I recognize I need him and I was not designed to exist without him are the places he's able to fill. But he's offering me more than that. He's offering me that I'm a God that can fill everything. Even when you don't think you need me, you need me because you're not designed to do any of those things without me. See, that's what he's offering. In that, you can go through anything. In that, you can have peace in the storm. The storm could be raging, and if inside of you is peace and joy because he's giving it to you, you're okay in the storm. The storm doesn't affect you. The storm has no authority over you. Fear has no authority over you. Why aren't you afraid? Because your, your belief system has aligned to what is true about God and about who you are to him. But fear has a strong voice that yells super loud when my belief system isn't actually at the place that he's designed it to be. See, my knowledge of all the stuff I've talked about, all the scriptures, all this stuff, right? My knowledge of those things can exist, but that doesn't mean I believe it. That just means I know about it. Because when I believe it, I'm be able to exercise that according to what's true. And I'm not saying you're not challenged. I'm not saying you're not tempted. I'm not saying fear doesn't try to show up. I'm saying you're effectively able to say, no, I'm not going to listen to that voice. This is what you're designed for. You're designed to overcome because he overcame. I'm going to tell you, talk about three people. I'm going to give you three points. I got three points today for those that keep track of that. Those people that like the points, I was thinking about you. So let's talk about the story of Job. If you don't know the story of Job, you've got to read the story of Job. So, they don't know when it was written exactly, but it seems to be somewhere back in the time, like when Abraham was, or pre-Abraham, something like that. They don't think it was during the time after Moses showed up, so it wasn't like the law doesn't seem to be mentioned anywhere in there. 
And uh, in the story of Job, it's kind of an odd story because you get this inside view of a conversation that goes on between Satan and God, right? Satan shows up with the angels. They all present themselves to God doing whatever they do in heaven, right? And I guess he's invited to the party or something. I don't know, right? Doesn't quite make sense to me, but it is what it is. And God just kind of pokes at Satan. Hey, have you considered my, my man Job? He's upright. <laughs> Satan's like, ah, only because you've got a hedge around him. Right, and this happens, this, this happens a couple times, and I'm going I'm to jump through it. But in, the, in, the, in a couple of conversations, right, both times God's like, okay, you can, you can go, you can attack him. So the first attack is you can take everything from him except you can't touch his body. So he takes everything. The guy is rich, right? This guy is wealthy. You know, he didn't have a bank account, right? He had camels, and he had donkeys, and he had sheep, and he had goats, and, like, so, uh, and he had plenty of kids, and he had lands, right? So in one day, while he's sitting down, right, while he's sitting there, like these messengers come, oh, the enemy came over here, took all your camels. Oh, really? Whew, okay. And another message shows up. Ah, they came over here, and they took all your donkeys, right? Oh, a uh, whirlwind came, killed all your kids. And it's just bam, 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 bam. Poor Job, right? If he had a gun, he probably would have committed suicide. It was that bad, right? But he's like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, right? And then the second time, Satan goes to, 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 to God and says, hey, he's only, he's only still standing before you because his body's still intact. And God's like, okay, you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. So he breaks out in these boils and pusses, and he, he's just seriously jacked up. Right? Nobody wants to come, hey, what's going on, Job? It's like, oh, man, that's gross. Right? That's how bad it is. And so in the story, you got five people that are in the story with Job. And the question is, is like, if you're Job and you're going through something, who are you going to be? Right? Because the first person I want to talk about is Job's wife. Ignore the fact that she's female, I'm male. Okay, just get that over there. It's not this on women. Right? Because I completely understand. She lost her kids. She lost her house. She lost everything she owns. Right? So she is not in a good place. Right? But her response to Job is, you need to curse God, lay down and die. Right, that's what her response to Job was. Right, you don't hear nothing from her anymore. She just like disappears from the story. Like, don't know what happened to her, but she doesn't make it till the end. She's she's gone. We can do that. We can get offended with God. If man, if it doesn't go the way I think it should go, man, I'm going to be mad at God, and I have the right to be mad at God. We can do that. wouldn't recommend it not the best place to go she didn't have a clue what's going on she thinks she knows what's going on but for her it's emotional like i can feel all this stuff attacking me right and i can't deal with that i understand that then you got job's three friends these guys are awesome friends they really aren't that bad but in this particular case See, the problem was, unlike Job, or like, unlike us, excuse me, unlike us, Job was actually righteous. There's nothing Job actually did that was wrong. Now, when somebody goes through something like Job, like, I, and I can identify with Job. If you saw me, you would go, oh, yeah, you are jacked up, seriously jacked up. You are, look like death now, right? That's, that's what it was like for me. And, I, and, and like Job's friends, my poor wife had people talking to her like Job's friends talked to him, right? Job, you can't be righteous. Something's wrong. You did something wrong, right? And chapter after chapter, these guys were relentless on poor Job, right? If you ever read it, man, it is long. They keep talking and talking and talking. I'd be like, guys, stop already. <laughs> they just, they wear him out. But he keeps saying, no, no, I did nothing wrong. I think just God's trying to kill me or something. This is not just what's happening to me. Right? His, his opinion about it was, man, this is not right. God might be trying to kill me. 
But Job's friends are like, man, you must have done something wrong. And then there's this one guy. He's a young guy. For those older people, you know what I'm talking about. Young guy shows up. I know what's going on. I'm going to tell you what's going on. Right? Listen to this. this I, actually, I actually have this one for you because this was one that just jumped out at me. After he's talked for quite some time, right, about how you need to hear him, how he understands things, how he's, like, awesome about it. He says, bear with me a little longer, and I will show you that there is more to be said in God's behalf. He is going to speak on the side of God. He's going to tell you like it is. I get my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe justice to my maker. Be assured that my words are not false. One who has perfect knowledge is with you. <laughs> Seriously. Whoa, dude. He has an opinion. Really strong opinion. There's all kinds of people that got opinions. You go through something, somebody's going to give you an opinion. Right? It doesn't mean they know anything about what's going on. But we have our opinions. We'll have opinions against ourselves. We'll have opinions on other people. Other people have opinions on us. But in this story, nobody knew what was going on. Nobody's opinion was right. Even Job's opinion wasn't right. Job was like, I don't understand this, God. You're trying to kill me, it seems like. This isn't right. This isn't fair. And God just like, dude, who do you think you are? Think about this. Job is pathetic. This poor guy. Poor, poor, poor guy. You can't get any poorer. You'd be dead to be poorer. God's like, listen, dude, you don't know anything like you think you know. Where were you when I did this? Where were you when I created the heavens? Where were you? Tell me about the Leviathan. Do you know what a Leviathan is? Do you know where he comes from? Do you know where he sleeps? Do you know any of the stuff that I know? We would be like, God, you're so mean. Poor Job. Why can't you talk to him like that? Come on, Job. That's all. Like, I would be like that. I'm like that too. Like, I understand. When I was Job, I was like, please, pet me a little bit, please. I could use some sympathy, man. This, this is rough. But that's not the stance God took with him. Why? Because God was with him. He restored Job. But his opinion didn't matter to God. I love you. Two things I've realized. My opinion doesn't matter to God. Your opinion doesn't matter to God either. Unless you're agreeing with him, it doesn't matter. No matter how smart you think, no matter how spiritual you think you are, it doesn't matter. It's not that important. His opinion is the only one that matters. Listen to what he said. To, this is what God said to his friends. This is Job 42, right? So, after the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, who was one of the three friends, the Temanite, hopefully I'm not rescuing that, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately of me as my servant Job has. And then he says this. He tells them, you need to go get seven rams, seven bulls, bring them to Job, sacrifice them, have him pray for you that you might be restored. God was interested in restoring his relationship with every one of those people. Not the knucklehead young guy, because then that guy was so far gone, he was, he was gone. And the wife, was, she's gone. She's no longer in the story. But the friends that were willing to walk with him, he, want, he wanted to make sure that they restored that relationship. And he wanted to restore that relationship with him. He cares about these things. But he didn't hold anything back. He didn't pet them and say, oh, it's okay, I understand. I get it. No. Sometimes he tells us hard things, if we'll hear. We're designed to be able to go through things with him. And if we're going to get offended, God can't do anything about that. Because if, we get, if, like, if we're at the place where we're going to be offended with God, like we can't hear him. We can't walk with him. We can't get the revelation we're designed to receive. Offense is what the enemy is trying to slip in. It's a voice of the enemy that's trying to slip in between you and God. Just like fear is a voice that's trying to slip in to get in between you and God. 
me, let, me, let me tell you about this uh, thing that happened with Jeremiah. I'm going to give you another example of this. So this is a conversation that Jeremiah is having with God. This is found in Jeremiah 12. And this is what Jeremiah says. Lord, you always give me justice when I bring my case before you. So let me bring you this complaint. Why are the wicked so prosperous? Why are evil people so happy? You have planted them, and they have taken root and prospered. Your, lips, your name is on their lips, but you are far from their hearts. And he goes on, goes on, a couple more verses. And this is God's reply to him in verse 5. He says, if racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, how will you do in the thickets that are near Jordan? This is basically what he said. If this is bothering you, what are you going to do when it gets worse? God wouldn't say that. He's having a relationship with God where he hears God's voice, and he's talking with God. When you start talking with him, you're going to find out God's a little more blunt than you think he is. Right? He didn't care about his opinion. He's like, dude, you're fussing. You're worrying about, man, it's not right. This isn't right. The rich people, they get away with stuff. The powerful people that manipulate the court system. Right? The political people. The people over there. People over there. Whatever people. Right? People of a different color. Whatever. It's amazing how, you know, like, you know who's rich? The people that are richer than you, right? Because rich people to me are different than rich people to the person that has absolutely nothing. And the person that has quite a bit, rich people to them, like, they're really rich, right? Isn't that interesting how our perspective is so different? But we, 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 we battle with this. It's not justice if in, unless it's justice to me. And, and I've got to have justice in the, like, I've got God to line up with my justice, and he's like, dude, if this is bothering you, what are you going to do when it gets worse? You're focused on the wrong things. See, I, I can't listen to the news and listen to the reports and listen to everything I talked about before and think about, oh, it's, it's so unjust. What's God going to do? You know what God's going to do? God's going to let humans be in control and use their will and do stupid and manipulate things the best he can through his people and find a way so that people will see him through them. And then he'll raise up the righteous out of the dust because people go, that God is real. And the glory that comes out of that because we walked with him and people get to see Jesus who never saw him before. That's how he operates. Because when you read Jeremiah, he talks about all this stuff's going to happen, da 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 And then he says, I'm going to restore the people. Because that's what his plan is. He's always going after restoring the people. But he doesn't stop Hitler from being Hitler. Hitler was free to use his will and kill millions of people. If you don't know this, he killed more than Jews. He killed gypsies. He killed Polish. He killed, he killed all kinds of people. God didn't stop him. And if you want to tell me, well, God's not just, I don't believe it because I've heard that argument before from people who don't want to believe in God. I understand where you're coming from, but I also understand you're wrong. I cannot understand what's going on. I don't have the capacity. I have the, uh, the capacity to understand certain things to a certain level, but I also recognize that my brain and my vision and my revelation, do never, they can never rise to the level of where God is at while I'm on this earth. And I suspect, even when we go to heaven, we're still going to be spending eternity going, wow, he's awesome. Wow, that's amazing. Wow. Because that's what the angels do right now. And are we okay with God being God? So I got three points for you. Three things that help you grow and overcome an adversity. First one is be thankful. I need you to hear me on this. When the scripture talks about being thankful in all things, it is amazing how when I am struggling and I'm 
right? I know Pastor Sean would never do that. Do not talk to my children or my wife, please. Because then the illusion will be maintained. And I catch myself. I'll move into thankfulness. And all of a sudden, it evaporates. Thankfulness is the thing that's going to keep you while you're going through it. Thankfulness is going to change the way you see while you're going through it. It really is what God is doing in you, with you. He is keeping you, and he is growing you. Thankfulness is how you grow while you're going through stuff. It allows you to start seeing what you haven't seen. It allows you to actually have your heart, which is the, which is the next thing, is guard your heart. You have to guard your heart. The voices of the people around you, the voices, they, they're willing to help you out. It's your fault. You probably did something. Right? You, right? I'm, I, you probably did do something. That's not connected to it, though. See, that's what Jesus died for. Jesus died for your sin, for everything that you do outside of him. He died for that. He's no longer judging you. But the enemy will say he's judging you, and the enemy will use people's voices to say he's judging you, right? You have to guard your heart against that, because when you move there, you're not going to be able to be thankful. Thankful is God. You are, you are with me right now because I am with you. I am choosing you above all things. I am with you, and you are with me, and you are able to keep me, and I thank you that you trust me with going through this. I thank you that you are keeping me in it. I think you are with me now, and that my end of the story is not this. This is only in the middle chapter. And if you will guard your heart, your heart then won't work against you. Your heart can work for you. Because as your heart is attached to him and remembers the goodness of God and the love of God, and you can connect to peace now, you can connect to the easy life of walking in the kingdom. Because when you have peace and you connect to him and all of a sudden you're full of peace and then you have joy, things are right now. You are aligned with God. It's not a problem then. And the third one is you have to be courageous. You have to be courageous. You have to be courageous. You cannot wimp out. You cannot give up. You cannot just lay down. If you do, you're the one condemning yourself to that, whatever fate you're moving into next. Because you're basically telling him, God, you're not enough, and I can't walk with you. It's not that he is not walking with you. When you give up, you basically said, I'm not going to walk with you, God. You have to be courageous. There is nobody. I, for those military men out here, military women, respect. But you know what I'm talking about. Nobody goes into higher training in the military and is not tested. And that testing finds out if you have the will to stick with it. When you go into special forces or you go into a Navy SEAL program, it is not the strongest. It is not the most buff and the biggest that make it. It is the ones who have the will. And when you go through something and you find out you can make it, you, when you're a Navy SEAL, it, it's like, yeah, we could take them. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. The enemy ain't got nothing on us. We can do it. See, that's what happens. As you navigate this space and you go through trials and you go through these things and, and you grow, you get to the point, well, I got through that. I know God was with me there. I know we'll go through this. I know I can do this. And, and you'll have people around you, really? They're like, well, how do you have so much faith? Because I saw him do it here. You know, we, 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 we saw this, uh, um, not evangelist, a missionary down in Mexico, he uh, came through and we saw him Wednesday or Tuesday. And uh, uh, he's telling his story and stuff and what, what he's gone through. This guy's got crazy faith. 
so much respect for him, right? He's a Cajun, rough around the edges. But one of the things, this is a little side note, one of the things he'd do, he'd be, he'd be preaching, right? Then he'd be, say something to his wife, he'd go up and kiss her, and, right? and he'd go back and start talking, and pray, well, he'd go up and kiss her. I, 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 hey, baby, how would I do that when you're preaching? She'd look at me like, no. <laughs> but one of the things I noticed about this guy is he has experienced his life being on the line over and over and over again. Because he preaches in a part of Mexico where the police don't even like to go, right? The national police don't go there. They have to get permission to get inside that area or else they're going to get into a fight with thousands of thousands of guys, right? This is the area that he goes into. He headbutted one of those guys, one of the leaders. Bam, God's with me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, not sure I would use that approach, but hey, that's cool. You know, they're going to behead him. They put him in jail. They go through all kinds of stuff. Like, this guy is just... Oh, I can do all things. God's used this guy to raise the dead several times. Right? But it's interesting. His level of faith that I am going to talk about Jesus and I don't care what they do to me is commensurate to his level of faith that says God can do anything, including raising the dead. You see what I'm saying? I am pretty sure when God first called him and he was in Louisiana, that didn't exist already. Like, you didn't see that. It was... And every time he was willing to go with God and do something that was just, yeah, you're saying it, I'm with you, and I'm going to believe you, every time God came through, his faith increased. It's the same process. When you step into this stuff and, you, and you're courageous about it, like, I'm going to walk with God and I am not going to turn around from this. He is going to show himself strong because he delights in this stuff. I'm going to read some scriptures off. They're not going to put them up there. Well, they might. I don't know. I told them they don't have to. But I'm going to read through them real quick. First Thessalonians says this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Christ. Proverbs 4 says this. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. 1. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. I'm going to tell you about one, one more person in the Bible. Let me tell you about David. Most people haven't really stood back and thought and considered what David went through. Because we see David, shepherd boy, going out there, seeing Goliath, resisting God's people, getting mad and going, how come nobody's taking him out yet? I'll take him out. He had faith in God. He already withstood stuff. He killed the lion, he killed the bear barehanded because he walked with God in the field, Nobody around empowered him to do that. After he does this, though, interesting thing happens. He gets noticed by the king. King invites him, hang around with him. Right? King sends him out, hey, why don't you go fight? Fight with my people. David goes out there, tears it up, gets a good reputation. He, David knows how to play the harp. King's like, hey, come on in here. I want you to play for me. His best friend is the, is the king's son. Best friend. Close. The king's daughter is given to him to marry. He becomes the king's son-in-law. One day, the king is just vexed with the demonic. And he's just playing. His father-in-law takes a spear and boom, throws it at him to kill him. Doesn't happen once, happens twice. Eventually, he has to go on the run. He's popular with the people, but the king, the most powerful man in the land, is trying to kill him. And he leaves everything he knows, and he's on the run. And I want you to hear what he writes. 
and his heart is still the shepherd boy. And he says this, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me behind, beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a man that knew what it was like to go through it. And it wasn't fair. He was also a man that knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. His greatness wasn't imposed on him by God. He wasn't just, I'm going to anoint David, and he's going to be this, this amazing man, and I'm going to just do it, and, and David, it's just going to happen to him. It's because David was willing to guard his heart, to be thankful. He knew God was with him. God is the one who keeps me. He was with me when I did this. He was with me when I did that. He was with me over the Goliath. He was with me when I fought against the Philistines. He was with me over and over again. And even though my father-in-law is trying to kill me, in the shadow of death is the place I walk all the time now. I'm going to be okay because I'm with him. And for you that have gone through it and your hope, your hope is running out, it seems. Some of you in here are going through stuff that I can, I can identify with, and please forgive my weeping. I can identify with what it's like to go through those places. Some of you are going through hard times right now. I want you to be encouraged. He is with you. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. He is with you. And those of you that are, are coming to the end, like your bank accounts are getting low, and it, it, you're going, man, six months from now, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you, you're, when I say this, you're going to think this is so counterintuitive. If you aren't tithing, I would start tithing because you know you trust God when you're willing to tithe. Right? I don't need it. I'm not getting any of it. I have no horse in this race. I tithe because I trust him with my finances. I trust him as my provider. If that's not in your wheelhouse right now, I would seriously be praying about that. Because you cannot expect God to show up if you're like, God, I don't trust you enough with the 90%, but I expect you to do everything else for me. There is, there is somewhat of an insult going on there if you haven't recognized it yet because you're saying you really don't trust God. But when we trust him in these things, I guarantee you it will not turn out like you think. It might be miraculous. It might show up or bam, all of a sudden something shows up and you don't have to worry about it anymore. I've been there. That's happened. But I've also been there when nothing showed up, nothing showed up, nothing showed up. Months went by. Years went by. And then I experienced the relief. I can't tell you what it's going to be like, but I can tell you God is with you if you will walk with him. He will never leave you or forsake you. He knows where you're at. He wants to walk with you. Some of you are struggling because you're afraid. You're afraid, like, I can't really trust God. I don't really know him. I don't know if I can get through this stuff. And that voice of fear is just so crazy loud. It drowns everything else out. And you have had past experiences that tells you, I can't trust God. I can't trust men. I can't trust the system. I can't trust anything. There are voices in your head right now that are saying those things, and especially when you're alone. And I will tell you, the voice that tells you you can't trust God is lying. 
it's lying. But trusting God means trusting him through thick and thin and when it doesn't look right. And you cannot make a judgment on it and say, well, because it looks like this, it must mean this. It doesn't work that way. When we trust him and we move into that space, God, I trust you in everything that's going, I'm going through right now. And I, I thank you that you trust me with this. Help me to step into that place of peace where I can experience you, feel you, know you, and hear your voice. And until you tell me otherwise, I don't need to understand anything. I don't need to understand anything to walk with you. Because the time will come where you'll give me understanding. And I trust you with that too. So if you're stand. Prayer team, they're going to be up here. If you want to pray with somebody and have a physical person praying with you, they're here for you. But in general, I just want just want to give you the opportunity to pray. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to kind of lead it, but I don't want you to use my words. I want you to use your, your words. My words aren't magic. They're not a better prayer because they're coming out of my mouth. The prayer that makes a difference, the prayer that's powerful is the one that's in your heart. That addresses where you're struggling at. That's the cry in that sore spot, in that pain. When you're real with him about that, that's the prayer that matters. So if you could just close your eyes. God, have your way right now. God, I believe. Forgive my unbelief. Forgive me as I struggle. I haven't always known the best way to approach you on these things. In my own thinking, my own opinions and beliefs have gotten in the way so often. Help me to lay down my thoughts and my, my opinions around what's good, what's right, what's just. I want to know what you're saying. I want to believe what you've already said, what you've said in scripture, what you've been trying to communicate today in the preaching of the word. I want to believe that. I want to hear your voice. Every voice that's not yours, every voice that has fear built into it, has doubt, unbelief, anything that keeps me from receiving you and being able to walk with you through what I'm going through now and what I'm going to go through in the future. Help me take authority over that. It's not mine to walk with. Only your voice matters. It's what you've promised. It's who you are. And it's who I am with you. I just pray for encouragement for those that are going through right now in their physical body. We just pray for healing and strength. Let your healing flow, God. Pain go away. Depression go away. Every spirit that's operating right now on us. And depression and that anxiety and fear. Remove yourself. We take authority over you. We don't have to listen to you. God has given us authority over every voice that's not his. So we take authority right now. In Jesus' name, remove yourself. Just fill us with your peace, God. That a spirit of peace would just go over this building right now. That every heart every heart. Anxiety go. Fear go. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. Do what you do best, God. Let your love be experienced. 
your joy be experienced. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. They're going to sing some more. Just worship with them. After this first song is done, for those that want to go, feel free. You need to be somewhere else.